know about you, but I sense such a sweet, sweet presence of the Lord. And I don't want to break that right now. I want that anointing, that presence to surround us as we study God's word. I had a sense the Lord saying to some people here, perhaps all of us, that you wonder sometimes why you can't feel my presence. Well, I tell you that I inhabit the praises of my people. When we talk about inhabiting the praises, it means that God makes his presence very real as we praise him and as we worship him. If you haven't felt the presence of the Lord recently, I have to ask you, have you praised him recently? The Bible also tells us that if you seek me, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. There's people here this morning seeking to find God. Oh, you may have made a commitment to him sometime in your youth or many years ago, but you feel that God has let you down. Let me ask you, have you praised him? Have you thanked him? Have you sought him? If you seek him, seek him with all your heart, you will find him. I'm very grateful this morning to the worship team. They did a wonderful job, not so much that I'm talking about their skill in playing instruments or the skill of their beautiful voices. I'm talking about their prayer, the prayer that's gone on for the service this morning, the prayer that's gone on for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to fill this place. I am very grateful to our worship team because the presence of the Lord is here. Do you agree with me? If you can't feel his presence, not that we always feel his presence, but if you haven't felt his presence in a long time, I ask you to seek him with all your heart, with your mind, and praise him and thank him for what he's done. Now, before I begin, I'm going to pray. I also have asked several people to pass out a handout that will accompany my teaching this morning. It's called a daily prayer guide. I would ask you if you could pass that out now. What I'm going to cover is probably quite a bit of information for some people, but my goal is to help each one of us to have a better prayer life. And I'm hoping this handout will help you in terms of using it every day. Okay, so we'll look, about, we'll look at that in a moment. As they pass that out, I want to pray. Don't get intimidated by all the words that are on there, but perhaps concentrate on the words in red. You know whose words they are, right? And so let's pray for a moment. Father, we thank you so much for your presence this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your love. Father, we thank you even when times are difficult and even when we go through trials. Father, we thank you because we know that you are completely good, that you are completely loving, that you are completely faithful. Father, I thank you so much for your presence. I thank you so much, Father, for what you've done in my life over these many years that you've given me the privilege of knowing you. I pray, Father, that if there's anyone here this morning 
that doesn't know you in a personal way. Oh, they may know facts about the Bible, or they may believe there is a God. But if they don't have a personal relationship with you, I pray, Father, that you would release the grace this morning to allow that to happen. You know how to make that happen. You know how to reach people. Father, I ask you to reach people today. Father, I ask you to touch hearts today. I pray, Father, that every one of us would agree this morning that we're not going to let anything distract us as we concentrate on studying your word. I pray, Father, that every person here this morning will receive at least one nugget of truth that they can carry with them through the rest of the week. And, Father, I give you the glory. I give you the honor. I give you the praise. I thank you for the Oasis Church. I thank you for Pastor Jeff and Lisa. I thank you for the opportunity to speak this morning. Lord, be glorified through what I say. Amen. This morning I'm going to talk about a subject that's extremely important, but perhaps is not too popular with many people. It is said that about 70% of Christians pray daily, but most have difficulty praying for more than a few minutes. Can I get an amen on that? Anyone relate to that? Well, that's what this teaching is about this morning, to help us to go to the next level. I want to share with you a few quotes from great Christian leaders. The first one says this basically, What the church needs today is not more machinery, not new organizations or more novel methods. What the church needs today is men and women whom the Holy Spirit can use. Mighty men and women of prayer. Do you know that nothing happens except through prayer? Martin Luther said, Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. And Billy Graham follows up that quote by saying this, Heaven is full of answers to prayers for which no one bothered to ask. That kind of neat? Corey Tenboom, who's the author of The Hiding Place, a book which many of you may have read, is about her sufferings in a Nazi concentration camp. And Corey Tenboom asked us even this morning Is prayer your spare tire or your steering wheel? Prayer, like air, water, and food, is necessary for our survival and growth. But many regard it as an optional activity. Jesus calls us to pray. Have you answered that call? Now, those quotes touch my heart. Hopefully, they touch your heart and give me a sense of motivation of wanting to go to a new, greater place. But I guess perhaps the ones that stir my heart the most are the quotes from the greatest Christian leader of all time. And who's that? Jesus Christ himself. Jesus says, watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I don't know about you, but my flesh is weak. And although I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me, there's a war often going on 
between the Holy Spirit in me and the flesh. And the only way we can be victorious is if we pray. Jesus also told his disciples a parable about the unjust judge and the woman who kept coming to him asking for for justice. She bothered him day and night, gave him no sleep, and finally he just gave up and gave her what she requested. Now Jesus makes it very clear that he's not like the unjust judge. He wants to help us. He is willing to help us. But the punchline of the parable is basically this. Jesus told his disciples this parable to teach them to pray always and not give up. That's from Luke 18, if you want to look that up later. But he told them, pray always and don't give up. Now, I know you're part of this church because you believe in studying God's word. I believe you also believe in living God's word, right? We live in an information society, but this isn't all about getting information. There are many people walking around who can quote Bible verses left and right. But those Bible verses are not alive for them or for others because they don't live them. They don't walk them out. So I want to ask you, if Jesus said, watch and pray... The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. What are we going to do? We're going to watch and we're going to pray. If Jesus said, pray always and don't give up, what are we going to do? We're going to pray on all occasions and we're not going to give up. The greatest weapon that our enemy, the devil, and his demonic forces use against Christians is depression and discouragement. You know why he uses that? He knows that if you truly have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have been declared not guilty. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit as a sign, as a guarantee that you're going to heaven. He can't take away you're going to heaven if you have truly accepted Jesus Christ's gift of salvation. But what he can do is make you ineffective in establishing, in spreading the kingdom of God through other people. So what he tries to do is make us discouraged, make us depressed, and make us ineffectual. What do we need to do? We need to watch and pray because our flesh is, is weak. The spirit inside of us is willing, but the flesh is weak. I want to remind everyone this morning that God desires a personal relationship with you. Now, I'm so excited because I was remembering it's about 40 years ago that I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. I even know the day, the year, the hour. Even though I attended church... Through my whole earlier life, my service to God or my idea of God was basically that of fear, that he was out to get me, he was out to judge me, I had to watch my step. It was all about me. I have to watch what I'm doing because I'll displease him. And when someone shared the gospel message with me, 
I came to the point of having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which is a whole lot different and greater than knowing there is a God or knowing some Bible verses. It means, God, I'm a sinner. I can't do it. I can't make it. I can't save myself. I believe that Jesus Christ died in my place for my sin to take my judgment. And I receive his gift and thank him for that gift. And as I was led to pray that and to open up to the Lord, the Holy Spirit filled me. And 40 years ago, it's never been the same. Have I had my ups and downs? Yes, I have. Have I had my trials and difficulties? Yes, I have. Have I had temporary failures? Yes, I have. But you know what? As we sang this morning, God is faithful. God never leaves us. God is on our side. I say to you that God wants to bless you today. And God wants to bless your whole life. And I want you to know the truth that God is on your side. And God is looking to show you favor. All you need to do is ask him. Now, prayer can be as easy as talking to your best friend. Many times we talk to the Lord throughout the day, at least I do. But there comes a time that we need to have a prayer appointment with God. If you talk to people who have had a regular prayer appointment with God, a regular time of spending maybe a half hour, an hour, or it could start out as 10 minutes, which is greater than five, or even 15 minutes, they will tell you that their life has changed. Spending time with God, in addition to praying throughout the day, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. The Holy Spirit is continually praying through us. Throughout the day, I'm thinking about the Lord. Things will remind me of Him. I'll pray for some, and I'll pray for a concern that comes up. But I find if you're really interested in growing spiritually, if you're really interested in the victorious life, if you're really looking to walk in peace and security, it's important to have a regular prayer appointment with God. Praying will solve many of your problems. Praying will give you peace easily and quickly. As you give your cares and worries to God and pray, He will take many of those things and set us free. And perhaps what's even more exciting than that, we can be part of a worldwide mission through praying. We may not be able to go to a foreign country or may not feel we'd even like to go to a foreign country, but in your prayer closet, you can go to that foreign country and pray for those people that are there and participate in their ministry. Now, a lot of us say we don't want to listen to the news anymore because it gets very depressing. Hello? What's going on in the world is depressing. And we need people to pray. Do you realize that even in a place like North Korea, 30,000 Christians have been imprisoned? Do you know about all the pastors throughout the world who are in prison and being tortured? The number of persecuted Christians throughout the world is in the millions.
Does that surprise you? We live in our little bubbles. We live in our Chandler and Gilbert and Mesa. And we're concerned about, oh, I don't know if that couch looks too good in my living room anymore. Maybe I should go to the store and look for something new. Or maybe I should upgrade. I need a bigger house because the four of us can't fit in 3,000 square foot. (laughs) And we have Christians throughout the world who are being tortured, who are being persecuted. Recently on the Internet, they came out with images of what's happening in Iraq. In Iraq, they're trying to exterminate all the Christians. They had graphic images of heads hanging up on posts. And what they're doing with the Christians, they're beheading them and they're crucifying them because Jesus, our Savior, was crucified. And they say to them, perhaps you would like to die like he did. Now that's going on in the world and we live in our little bubbles that even our prayer is basically concerned with how can I get more? More of things rather than more of God. Or how can I really touch missions by praying? Now, I've assembled a daily prayer guide, which I hope you have received. And that's based on the manner in which Jesus taught us to pray. I'm asking that you take the call to prayer very seriously and use this daily prayer guide for a week to see if it starts a spiritual revival in your life and gives you a greater relationship with God and his plans for your life. Let's look at Matthew 6, 9 to 13. If you have your Bible, you can open up there, or you can look on the prayer prayer guide, which has been distributed to you. Matthew 6, 9 to 13 is known as the Lord's Prayer. However, actually, it should be called the Disciples' Prayer. It shows us how to approach God by acknowledging who he is and then appropriating our need for his provision and his protection. Let's look at how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. This is not a prayer to be recited, but it's a prayer to meditate on because it's a manner in which we are to pray daily. I'm going to start at verse 6, back up a little bit before I get to verse 9. I'm going to read from Matthew 6, verse 6. But when you go to pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, For they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. In verse 9 now. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now that's what we call the Lord's Prayer. 
The disciples saw that Jesus was so effective. When Jesus came to earth, he laid down his own power and relied on the Holy Spirit's power within him and followed the direction of the Father just as we do, right? But they saw, the disciples saw how effective he was, how he could heal the sick, how he could deal with difficulties and trials. And that's why they said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Well, he didn't give him a little slogan or something to recite. He said, this is the manner in which you do it. It wasn't just reciting words, but rather what our prayers should consist of and how we are to approach God daily. Now, verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I want you to think of Calvary. And thank God, the Father, that you can call him Father by virtue of the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus, the spirit inside of each one of us, which was dead because of sin, now has become alive and opened the door to relationship with the Father. And so we come to him and we say, Father, I thank you so much that I can have a relationship with you, that I can come to you by virtue of the blood of Jesus. Now, the word father actually is a term of intimacy. Now, father sounds pretty sophisticated and straight-laced. And some have translated the word for father in this particular verse as Abba, which means daddy. The most important point to get out of this is God the Father wants us to have an intimate relationship with him that has been made possible through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now, when God began to form his covenant people, he spoke to Moses from the burning bush. Do you remember that in Exodus 3? He told Moses he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a God who had made a covenant that he would fulfill. And when Moses asked, who should I say sent me? God said, tell them, I am who I am has sent you. What was God basically saying? He was saying, I will be for you whatever you need me to be. I am. I am there. It's all open to you. It's all available to you. And so we are a covenant people, right? The Bible tells us very clearly that the blessings of Abraham have been passed on to us. We are a covenant people. We say yes and amen to the covenant that God has made to have a relationship with us. And so when we begin our prayer, we hallow the name of the Father. What is hallow? That means to praise We praise God as he is revealed in the scriptures. Now, a lot of people have talked about the compound names of God. However, they're not exactly names per se, but rather combinations of words by which God is known. His reputation, what he does for us, our covenant blessings. So I'm going to go through several of them right now. You can call them the compound names of God if you want, but basically it means as people who are part of the covenant, what can we expect this God to do for us? 
And as we praise Him, we praise Him for all the things that He can do and will do. Amen? Now, Hebrews 11.6 says to us, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Do you want more of God? Do you want more of His blessing? Do you want more revelation knowledge from Him? Seek Him. Earnestly seek Him. He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. We meditate on these compound names of God or descriptions of God and remind ourselves that because of Jesus, we are a covenant people and we can expect God to act on our behalf. These are our faith declarations. These are our covenant blessings. These are the things we proclaim and thank God for and praise Him for. The first one, He is known as Jehovah Sikhanu, the Lord our righteousness. Now, God is so perfect, how can I possibly stand before Him? He covers me with His righteousness. Jeremiah says, This is the name by which He will be called. The Lord, our righteousness. When a person accepts Jesus Christ as Savior, the righteousness of Jesus covers the sinner who is asking for salvation. And so we come to God now when He looks at me, He doesn't see just me. He sees the blood of Jesus all over me. He sees the righteousness of Jesus in me. And even though my flesh might fail, sometimes I'll trip and fall. When the Father looks at me, He sees past, present, and future. He sees the finished product. He sees righteousness. He sees holiness. Amen? Now, we praise God for, you know, who He is and our covenant blessings. He's also Jehovah Makadish. What does this mean? The Lord who sanctifies. That's how He is known. The Lord who sanctifies. Stop trying to do it yourself and rely on Him. He is the Lord who sanctifies. Why do you think He gave us the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit will make us what? Holy. And sanctify us as we yield to Him. He consecrates us makes us holy, sets us apart. Jeremiah the prophet was consecrated in the womb for his mission. And Romans 8 teaches us about justification, legal term, the penalties paid, you're not guilty, you can't be retried again, no double jeopardy, you've been declared innocent. Justification sanctification, we can trust that God will continue to work through our lives while we're here on this earth and sanctify us, set us apart and make us holy, deal with the sin problems, clean us up. That's our covenant blessing. And we thank Him for that. Do you see where I'm getting? We're talking about hallowing God. We're talking about praising God. What can I praise Him for? He's provided righteousness for me. 
He's the one who sanctifies me. Father, I praise you. I bless you. I thank you. A lot of people don't praise God because they don't know what to praise Him for. I'm giving you some clue here what you can praise Him for. You, the Lord, are my righteousness. I praise you, my sanctifier, that you're with me. You change me. He's also known as Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. Gideon built an altar to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. Philippians 4, 7 talks about the peace of God that will fill us and guard our hearts as we present our needs and requests to God. So I praise Him. I praise Him, Jehovah Shalom, my peace. That you're guarding my heart. That you're giving me peace. I thank you for this covenant blessing. I thank you for who you are. I can rely on you. I can receive. I thank you. We praise God because he's also Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. The Lord is here, present with us. Actually, he lives inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah called him Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. That was the promise in the Old Testament. God is with us. He's not just next to me. He lives in me. Paul tells us each one of us is a temple for the Holy Spirit. So I praise my Father, Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. He's Jehovah Rophi. Some people say Jehovah Rapha. This means basically his title or his name or what he does for us is this, the Lord heals. The Lord heals. God is our healer. He is the great physician. He can heal us spiritually. He can heal us emotionally. He can heal us physically. Now, what's the uh, basis of this title or this name of God? Well, it tells us when the people were coming out of Egypt, they had no water to drink. And they started complaining to Moses. And what did God say? God showed Moses a piece of wood. And when Moses threw it into the bitter water, the water then became sweet. What does that say to us? A sign and a shadow of the cross of Christ. As it's thrown into the bitter water of life, it can be made sweet. As we walk through this life, we have spiritual problems, emotional problems, and even physical problems. Through the cross of Christ, we can be healed of bitter situations. And though you may not agree with me according to your theology or what you've been taught in the past, I really believe that God also heals physically. And I believe we should pray for physical healing when we need it. Not immediately run to the doctor, but immediately run to God. And then go to the doctor as he directs you. Right? But it is God himself who is the healer, the great physician. If you don't believe in healing today, throw away your medicine. You're displeasing God. You're seeking to be healed. Don't go to the doctor anymore. You're seeking to be healed. 
But if you believe that God is our healer, he raises up doctors, he provides medicine because he wants his people well. In a lot of other countries where they don't have the things that we have, believers pray more for healing. And they see more miracles because they have to rely on God more. Now, this is primarily talking, of course, about our spiritual healing, our emotional healing. But I also believe he is the God who heals me physically. And I always pray for his healing presence and power. Now, another name of God, which we can praise him for, a covenant blessing to us, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord's provision shall be seen. Do you remember Abraham and Isaac when God told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac? What did Isaac say? Well, you know, Father, we're going to make a sacrifice. Where's the ram? And what did Abraham say? God will provide. God's provision will be seen. And what do we praise God for? What do we thank Him for? What's a covenant blessing? God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, verse 19. God is also Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. In the victory of Israel over the Amalekites, it's appended primarily upon Moses continually standing before God and not being weary in his praying. Aaron and her were enlisted to hold Moses' hands up, one on each side. Now, Jehovah Nisi has to do with our warfare. As long as Moses' arms were raised in prayer, the Israelites would win. If his arms went down, the Amalekites would win. And so we praise God that he is our banner. God will fight for us, and he's told us how to fight. By lifting our hands and praising him, warfare takes place in the spirit. And we need to spend time with God, lift our hands to him, and intercede, and God will fight on our behalf. Our Father is willing to wage warfare on our behalf. Now, the last compound name I have or something we can praise God for or how he's revealed himself, Jehovah-Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. God cares intensely for us. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He leads us. He guides us. Prays for us. Now, it's kind of interesting in your prayer time as you're praising God and remembering who God is, who God the Father is, having an intimate time of fellowship with Him, remembering our covenant blessings, what we can expect, expect for, from Him. You can also make your declaration of these faith promises through Psalm 23. Now, David is described, Psalm 23 is written by David. David is described as a man after my own heart who will do everything I want him to do. That's the description of who David is. Why was he a man after God's own heart? What was special about him? David had absolute faith in God. David loved God's law. David was truly thankful. David truly repented. 
He had a great relationship with God and is a model for each one of us. Now I'm going to read through Psalm 23. Hopefully you'll see it in a way you haven't seen it before because I believe the Lord opened this up to me to see the connection, which I hadn't thought of. I'm going to read through Psalm 23 and I'm going to make mention of our covenant blessings or our faith declarations or the things we can praise our Father for. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. He's Jehovah-Rohi, the Lord our shepherd. I shall not be in wants. He is Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord our provider. He will meet every need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He is Jehovah-Shalom. The Lord our peace. He restores my soul. Jehovah Rothi, the Lord our healer. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his sake. Jehovah Sekenu, the Lord my righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I praise you, Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. The Lord is here. The Lord lives inside of me. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You are Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. The Lord fights the battle for me as I praise him and as I lift my hands to him and worship him The Lord does battle on my behalf. In verse 6, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I praise you and I thank you, Jehovah Makedesh. I am justified, declared not guilty. I am being sanctified, made holy, and I will be glorified. Now, this is from the mouth of David. Do you think David had a good relationship with the Lord? Do you think he understood who the Father is? And so I share that with you. You can also meditate on Psalm 23. Many people think, again, this is just something to recite. It it isn't. It reveals the heart of God. It reveals the character of God. It tells us who God really is. And when we know who He is then we know what we can expect from Him. Then we know what we can ask Him for. Amen? Now I'm going to go back to the Lord's Prayer, and I'm going to go to verse 10. Jesus said, pray this also, Your kingdom come, Your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So when we meditate on that, We remember that kingdom basically means the root word is rule. Rule or power. So, your rule come. We pray for for ourselves. Father, as I praise you and spend this time with you, I pray that your rule would come in a greater way in my life. I want to be more submitted to you. I want all these things under your control. I pray your kingdom rule in my life that your will would be done in me the way you want, not the way I want. 
We pray for our family. We pray for our spouse, our children, other family members. You can follow along on the sheet in your prayer time. Pray for your church. Pray for Pastor Jeff and the other leaders of this church. Pray for the leaders of the church throughout the world. Pray for all the leadership of the various ministries in the Oasis. Pray for the faithfulness of the people. These are trying times and people will drift away. I'll tell you a secret. There's no perfect church, but you need to be part of a church. So we pray for the faithfulness of the people to the Lord and to where God has placed them. And we also pray for a harvest. We pray for a harvest of souls. It's not good enough that just you and I know the Lord. There are many people out there who don't. And part of our prayer time should be praying for a harvest. Amen? God wants this church to have a great harvest. And it's going to happen when we pray it in. We also pray for Christians throughout the world, especially persecuted Christians. Let's get our heads out of the the dirt, out of the sand, and let's open up our eyes and say, our day is coming. There are Christians being persecuted throughout the world. They have to stand up for Christ. That's the way things are going. That's the way the world is being directed. The good news is, look up, your redemption is at hand. Jesus is coming back soon. But let's hold on till He comes. Pray for the nation. Pray for your city. Pray for your state. Pray for national, political, and spiritual leaders. My prayer is that God would raise up some godly leaders. Amen? Enough said about that, I guess. (laughs) Verse 11. As we're praying through the Lord's Prayer, the manner in which He told us to pray, give us today our daily bread. God wants to provide for all of our needs and wants, not just selfish things. The Word of God tells us you have not because you ask not. The Word of God also tells us in James that the reason why you don't receive is you ask for selfish things, just to use on your own pleasure. But God wants to provide every need. Maybe not every want, but every need. So what we do in our prayer time, we pray to walk in the will of God. I pray, first of all, my prayer life would be in your perfect will. My church time, my work habits, I want to be obedient in giving and ministry. We can keep asking God, but if we never do anything with what he's given us, I don't know what good that is. Believe it is God's will to show you favor. And bless your life. How many of you don't know that? God's on your side. We're His children. It's kind of interesting that some people say that every human being that's alive are God's children. You know what? That isn't true. We're all God's creation. But only those who have accepted His covenant have received the gifts of salvation, can be called His children. We are the children of God. I ask you, do you normally just beat up on your kids and try to make their lives as miserable as possible? Some people have that view of God. God wants to bless you. God wants to show you favor. You don't have to beg Him. It's there for the asking. 
He's willing to give, but you need to ask. Pray for specific needs. Be tenacious. What does it mean to be tenacious? Hold on and don't give up. Just believe it. If God's put something in your heart to pray for, keep praying that and just thank Him. Thank Him that the answer is on the way. In verse 12, I'm going to ask you to forgive me if I go a few minutes over. I do want to finish this. Um, If it's not okay, throw a tomato or walk out or something. Verse 12, it says, Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Ask God to forgive you. Every sin that's unconfessed breaks somewhat our fellowship with God. If if you're dealing with sin that you haven't confessed and asked forgiveness for, you know what? You're not going to have boldness to ask Him for what you need. Have you ever found that? If the sin you haven't dealt with, you usually run away from God and try to stay away from opening the Bible because a word might jump out and bite you. So we need to ask God's forgiveness. We need to be aware of the things that we need to ask forgiveness for. But we also have to, in this time with God in our prayer appointment, we have to forgive and release other people. It's a matter of the will. Will we feel like it? No, not always. But I will to forgive. In Jesus' name, I forgive. And I ask, Lord, that the feelings will follow the decision. Amen? Jesus tells us that if we don't forgive others, we won't receive forgiveness ourselves. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? And lastly, in verse 13, Jesus said, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, what are we praying in this verse here? Well, first of all, let me make it clear that God doesn't tempt us. This is a rhetorical way of praying His protection from sin. And so what we're praying is that God will keep us from the occasions of sin, that God will help us to have victory over each area of our life, and the evil one is out there looking to wage war on us, to depress us, keep us down, get us to the point that we provide a very bad witness to the world, even though we're Christians. And so what we're basically praying in our prayer time, according to this prayer guide, is that God, just lead me out of the way of temptation. Lord, I pray that you deliver me from the attacks of the evil one. I go even a step further. I say, devil, in Jesus' name, leave me alone. And Father, I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Because of time constraints here, I can't read Ephesians 6, 10 to 20, but if you have a pen, I would ask you to write that down, Ephesians 6, 10 to 20, as something you can also read in your prayer time to remind you Paul's great exhortation about spiritual warfare And I want you to know that part of our prayer is also to pray a hedge of protection over our families. Pray God's spiritual protection over your whole family. Now, hopefully, you're going to use this prayer guide. 
Unless you have something better, I want to provide this for people that are looking for something to help them spend more than 2.15 seconds in prayer. Then maybe this will help you to spend some time sitting in his presence, reminding you what you can pray for, what your faith declarations are, who God is. I want to ask you, at the end of all these things we've prayed so far, the King James Version of the Bible adds, For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Now, why am I mentioning that? That was part of the litany of the early church. And there's a basic sense of the power of praise. The power of prayer. It isn't just thinking that God's great, it's proclaiming, Our God is great! We love Him, we worship Him, we praise Him. Football season is coming up. The next game you watch, I want you to sit there and say nothing. Or just think nice thoughts. Well, why do we do that with prayer and praise? When the church comes together, we should all be, Praise the Lord! We bless you! We thank you! It's so great to know you! Do you believe it's great to know God? Will you take time to tell Him that? I want to ask you, will you take the challenge to make an appointment with God to pray every day? Will you use this prayer guide to help you every day? To pray more than five minutes? On the handout that I gave you, I put an acrostic, which is basically a very brief definition of prayer. What is prayer? It's praising, it's repenting, it's asking, and it's yielding. God is here today. God is here all the time. He's faithful even when I'm not faithful. I didn't know anybody like that. He is great. I want to ask our worship team to come up. I want to ask you to respond in worship. Now, Nicole and I didn't talk at all about the service or what I was speaking on, but I can't believe the things that she incorporated into the prayer service, the, her prayers, her, the songs that she chose. And these last couple of songs will give us an opportunity to really praise God. I want to challenge you, you know, I'm not trying to teach technique, but my goodness, seeing how people react at athletic events, TV and all that, in church we think we come in and we look like the frozen dead. If we're excited about God, why don't we show it? If you're going to yield to God, why don't you surrender? Amen? Do you have any dances? I don't care if you dance around. We won't tell Pastor Jeff. Amen? So as we do these last couple of worship songs, I want you to keep in mind, this isn't a hootenanny. This isn't a song fest. This is an opportunity to come into the presence of God with the worship team and say, thank you, God. I praise you. You're great. Thank you, Lord.